Hello, and welcome to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I have been wanting to do this episode for a really long time, but it seemed like there were so many things that we had to talk about first. There were so many things about the specifics of crypto and about specifics of what's going on in Web3 and women and money. And there's always these really valuable and important topics to discuss. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. But today, I want to talk about the goddess of crypto and who she is to me and why I think this is going to be important to you. You know, I tell women about the show all the time. I go to crypto events. I talk to people on the street. And whenever I say it's by women for women, which by a woman for women, but it involves a lot of women. And actually, my entire staff is female as well. So everybody who's like involved in the production that works directly with me is a woman. And then there's men who support women. And so I think there's like a lot of really beautiful ways in which women are involved with this. And whenever I tell women about it, they get so excited. Like I've found that every time I ask somebody to be on my show, her usual response is absolutely. And she gets really enthusiastic and sometimes misty eyed. And I'll end up standing in the hall of trade show as people just hundreds of people walk by and we're sort of lost in our own world for a few minutes as we're imagining why this show really exists, which is to help other women me, my speakers, but also to help all the women who may not even know the show exists yet, or who may not even know that crypto exists yet, but they're getting this call and they're yearning for something more. And that's why this is here. And I want to mention, I talked about this, I think back in the first episode, but hey, we're almost up to episode 30. So it's a good time to revisit it. I wanted to say I told this story in the first episode, but you're not going to go all the way back there. So I'm going to share the story. And and that's the download that I got that caused me to start creating this show. And I think that's going to explain a lot. But I also feel like this is partly maybe the little whispers that have been going on in your ear, the little feeling in the pit of your stomach or in the back of your mind or something that stuff's changing. There are things coming down the pike that we as women can be involved in this and that there are opportunities for us along the way. So out on a bike ride and while I was riding my bike, all of a sudden, all of the things that had been happening to me the previous weeks and months kind of all coalesced into this awareness that what I had experienced back 30 years ago when I was a very young woman 
as the one of five female executives in the software industry. I mean, I was one of five women running a company in the software business at the time, and I had fallen into that position. I certainly not gone to school for it, not studied for it. At the time, CD-ROMs were just starting to be a thing. The concept of interactive media, the company was called Hyperbole, and it was the hyper part of Hyperbole was called that because of hyperlinks which are what we call links today. Everywhere on the internet, you've got just links, right? Click and it's a link. Well, there was a time that that was revolutionary and you could build an entire company around the fact that your thing, one thing went to another thing. And so I was at the beginning of all of that. And I had this download that that was happening again. Like that this time had rolled around again. 30 years later, there was this new, totally nascent industry and that it was being given an opportunity to have really powerful legs. I ironically had come to Bitcoin first back in 2013. I was getting impulses to go out and learn about Bitcoin. And I did. I went and talked to a friend of mine, a man that I had worked with back in hyperbole. And, you know, I said, you know, what is this Bitcoin stuff? And he explained it to me. But at the time, it involved mining. And by the way, he's like one of the Bitcoin OGs and he's made billions of dollars in Bitcoin. And if I had figured out about mining that day, I would have matched him. But at that time, I went home and told the men in my life, my partner and my father, well, we need to get some mining equipment and mine Bitcoin. And I said, like, oh, I would have matched him if I had known or if I had made that. I know a lot of people who got into mining at that time. And it was so expensive because of the cost of energy that it really cost them more than the value of the Bitcoin at the time. So it was really unjustifiable. So a lot of things had to really fall into place. And for me, none of them did at that time. So I let it go, didn't really even come back to it until 2017 when I became a whole coiner. If you have studied some of the earlier episodes of Goddess of Crypto, the vocabulary episodes, that you know that that means that you own at least one whole Bitcoin. And at the time that I became a whole coiner, they were selling for just under $10,000 a coin. And I unfortunately was part of a scam, a huge scam. Again, you can go back to some of the earlier episodes to hear the details of this part but I lost all of my Bitcoin. And that was so hard for me, but it didn't make me want to give up. It just made me want to get back in more. And when I got this download, I had just been to a party at the home of my friend, the Bitcoin billionaire. And I had walked into the room and seen everybody and the energy in the room and had talked to people and had made these incredible connections and was so jazzed. I remember driving home, I called my father. We have a great relationship. And now that I talk about money and wealth all the time, we have an even better one because he feels like he can talk to me about that stuff too. But I called him and I was like, you cannot believe what's going on right now or how important this feels. And this feels just like what was happening at the beginning of the interactive media industry, which was about like three or four years before the internet kind of went mainstream. So like, let's say 95, you know, we'd already been in business for, I think, three years at that time when we first got online and first started using what was 
the, the web. And that was such a powerful and potent time. And I could feel that that time was happening again. And the way that people talk and way that people were thinking about ideas and expansion, and it was just so amazing. And I actually met a couple of women at that evening that I'm still really good friends with and that I just thought were super powerhouses. And some of them had been in crypto since 2012, since 2013, and had been running portfolios and had made millions of dollars. And some of them told me the story of having lost millions and made them again. And it was really all fascinating. So I was on my bike and all of a sudden I could feel all of these different pieces coming together. And it nearly knocked me off my bike. I almost fell off. I rolled into the curb and it was very wobbly for a minute. And my sweetie was like, you know, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm toppling over. But it was so powerful to really feel everything coming into awareness. And the message that I got in that moment was that there was a future in money and finance that's different from the one that we have today that it's going to be a bumpy road to get there, but that women are here to lead the shift into this next phase. And really that concept is what I call the goddess of crypto, because there's this very feminine, disruptive, revolutionary aspect to crypto itself and to the disruption of the financial industry. Now, the financial industry is not being disrupted in a vacuum. In fact, Bitcoin was created as a safe haven, I'll call it, for what happens when the existing financial system collapses. There are a lot of people right now, because I pay attention to stuff like it's my religion. And there are a lot of people out there who are saying, oh, Bitcoin is the disruptor. And that's not true. It may have that effect. That is not why it was created. Bitcoin was created because somebody saw this coming and said, I don't want to be stuck being broke. I'm going to do another episode after this one about my experience in Colombia this August because I want to talk about the value of money and about my observations being a world traveler and getting to travel to different countries. But we have seen what is going to happen in the United States and other countries. Right now, unfortunately, it's happening in Lebanon. If you don't know that Lebanon has shut down its banks and refused to allow its citizens to make withdrawals from those banks, you need to know that, at least at the time of this recording, that is what has happened. I don't know if by the time you hear this, it will still be the case. I certainly hope that Lebanon is able to reopen its banks. But Lebanon, for example, you're talking about a country that has immense wealth historically and is a very proud country. All the Lebanese men I've ever dated, <laughs> were more than one, have they, they shared with me very, very proudly about their culture and about their history, and about their feelings of worth and wealth. And I've found that Lebanon was always very rich in its culture, as well as its history. 
what's going on there right now is a harbinger of things to come. It is not the only one. There have been several countries in South America where the currency has been so devalued that it is literally not worth the paper that it is printed on. I have seen handbags made from that country's money, like paper origami put together into handbags, literally. And in Cyprus in 2012, they had a run, again, a country that considered itself having extreme resources. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm using air quotes with this, there's a run on the banks and the banks close. And then the citizens are only allowed, I think it was, they could take out like $12,000. And here's the thing. We think, oh, our money's FDIC insured up to $250,000. The end of all the banking ads, right? FDIC insured up to $250,000 or it, or it's an investment. And then it says, this investment is not insured in any way. You could lose 100% of it. It's you know like the little small print at the end of an ad. But that is something that you never, ever want to have to put to the test. You don't want to find out that your money is insured, that you lose everything above a quarter million dollars. By the way, if you have more than a quarter million dollars in any bank account, go open another account at a different bank because it won't matter that, oh, well, this was in my savings account. This was in my checking account. This was in my business checking account. This was in my business savings account, not my personal. It isn't personal versus business. It is for the institution, a quarter million dollars total. And I have recently had to go to more than one bank to make sure that I have hedged against that. However, Again, if there's a run on the bank, if they, then the system, I mean, the run on the banks, the financial system collapses, as just happened in Lebanon, as had happened in Cyprus, as in between, as happened in in multiple South American countries, we are not going to be able to say, well, insurance, please pay for that. Because the insurance companies will have their banking accounts collapsed also. So there will be a promise to pay at some point in the future. You know, there have been some crypto scams lately, and there have also been some really bad choices made by several crypto companies. If you are, and when I say crypto companies, I mean crypto exchanges. Crypto companies are just as susceptible to making dumb choices as regular companies. But on some crypto exchanges, the crypto exchanges made the mistake of lending beyond their means. And we could probably do an entire episode about how all they're doing is modeling this on regular banks, regular cash banks, fiat banks, because they are able to loan on multiples of what they have in the bank. So if you want to come get your money out, like they do in that scene in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which I must quote like every week these days, your money isn't at that at this bank. Your money's in her house and his house. And how much do you want? Oh, I could get away with just $10. All right. Now we can give out $10 to everybody and then the money will come back in again. That's how Jimmy Stewart gets away with not having a run on his bank. He talks to people because in those days there was real money and real relationships and everything was backed by the gold standard and all the things that we don't have right now. So... When it comes to the future of the banking industry, what I saw that day on my bike was that there is this collapse coming. 
we've printed 80% of all the money in existence, all the money in circulation has been printed in the last two years. That is not good. And now we're saying inflation is 30%, which explains why my $3 butter is now $4 butter, but it doesn't explain how you go from 80% more money, but 30% inflation, which by the way, 30% inflation on food, 30% inflation on gas, but supposedly only 6% inflation or 7% inflation. And now the Fed is raising interest rates and that's going to counteract it. And we're going to, this is all manipulated upon manipulated upon manipulated. And the problem with that can be seen when we go back to 2008. I'm going to recommend if you haven't seen or better yet read The Big Short, please do. The Big Short is not only a brilliant movie and an even better book, it explains the collapse of the mortgage industry in plain English. And it's a really valuable lesson because as they say, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And the way that history rhymes in the case of 2008 was it showed us that when we created mortgages and then broke those mortgages into bundles that were the best mortgages A class to the worst mortgages D class, and then rebundled all the D class mortgages and now called them B class and stuck them back in there in the middle. That's basically what we did over and over and over again until all of the big banks, all of the big companies, which is why some of the biggest ones did go out of business, because everything that they were doing in the mortgage industry was basically completely predatory, mostly illegal. It's just there weren't any specific laws against the exact portion of the thing that they were doing. But the laws were more like, don't do this stupid thing because it doesn't make any sense. But everybody got so greedy. And that is what is going on with the economy right now. Nobody's looking around and saying, hey, we need to step it back a little bit. Hey, we just had this pandemic and everybody was out of work for so long. Let's really curtail spending. It isn't like that. It's let's go back to boom times as quickly as possible in a cycle that is impossible to perpetuate. I'll give you another really good example. And this is basically just about the math of it. Back when I was running that company, Hyperbole Studios, we were one of the fastest growing companies in the industry. And I want to say it was like, I don't know, it wasn't Forbes, like Inc., something like that. It was one of the big business magazines and it was the Fast 50. And maybe it was Fast Company, which was had a magazine at the time, Fast Company, Fast 50, whatever. We were one of the fastest growing companies. And the next year we were on the list again. And the next year we were nowhere on the list. Why? Because it's really easy to be the fastest growing thing when you're really tiny. And then it's pretty easy to be the fastest growing thing when you're just doubled from the previous year or tripled or quadrupled or whatever. But once you get to a certain size, it's really hard to keep growing at that rate. In fact, it gets almost impossible very quickly. So the only way that we would have been able to maintain that kind of growth 
you know, in our third year or our fourth year would have been to have gotten huge very quickly, which has its own set of business problems because you don't want to grow a company too fast. But we're experiencing the same expansions and contractions in economics that we were experiencing as a company and that the countries have been experiencing, which has caused the runs on the banks. And that's really that we aren't capable of growing at those rates, but that's what the status quo is supposed to be. We can't maintain it. And it's very difficult. And so we end up with these large cycles right now, but it's like the roller coaster where it's, we go, I'm thinking actually more about the the ride that's like the Viking ship where it swings all the way over like a pendulum to the right and all the way over the pendulum, like the left, all the way over to the left, like a pendulum and all the way over to the right, like a pendulum. And as it does, you're getting sicker and sicker because the swings are bigger and bigger. Yes, I think that was the first time I ever threw up after uh, an amusement park ride. And I loved the stuff like that. It just got to be too much for my system. And this kind of stuff gets to be too much for our system as well. And we are getting way past that breaking point. So my goddess of crypto awareness was that women are the key to turning this around. And women are very interesting. I've now, by this time, talked to hundreds and hundreds of women about their money situations because I'm a transformational wealth coach. I have also talked to a lot of women when they meet me at shows. I get to hear their stories before they come on and speak on this show. I study this stuff. I'm paying attention on Telegram and Twitter and Discord and all of the different platforms. And I really love it. I've also read a lot. Like I've got this entire library of money books that I've been reading and acquiring more information about by women for women. And it fascinates me because we have been told for 3,000 years that money didn't belong to us and that we didn't have any value with money. I remember as a girl being told by my father who laughs now and says, you know, how ridiculous that was, but it was the seventies and I was a kid and that's 50 years ago. And remember that by 1974, women could have their own credit cards in their own name, their own mortgages in their own name and their own bank accounts in their own name. But in 1972 and 1971, they were still getting those rights. You would have your dad sign with you unless you were married. Then you would have your husband sign with you. You yourself didn't have any separate value from the men in your life. So when my father says to me as a kid, don't worry, sweetie, your job is to go to college and marry a rich man. Don't worry, sweetie, your husband will take care of all of that for you. He's just telling me what his parents told him because he needed to take care of his wife and what everybody was saying in those days. And that's 50 years ago, right? Almost 50 years ago. And that was such a different time because we have shifted so much. Now, we've unshifted in some very important areas. 
But when it comes to our right to have money, to belong to money, to have a relationship with money, to have money be your hot husband or your BFF instead of this difficult relationship that you are not going to enjoy and that you don't understand in the first place. I mean, imagine having a friend who was so fly by night or who just came and went whenever they felt like it or who was totally untrustworthy or who lied to you all the time and said, we're going to go out and have these lavish dinners. No, wait, psych, we're not. Whatever the story is about your money picture, you wouldn't be friends with that person, right? But the thing is, you get to recreate the way that you feel about money from the inside first. And you're out picturing the way that you see yourself in the world is based on how you see yourself inside. So if you see yourself as broke on the outside, if you look in your bank account, you're broke. You've got to shift your thinking first. And there's a whole lot of books and there's a reading list that I have on the show notes as well, because it's just so important that you understand that you also are being given the call right now to make a difference in your wealth, to make a difference in your belief system about wealth and your birthright of wealth, that you as a woman, if you are hearing these words, that you are being called to make a stand for your own value with money because there's going to come a time when you are going to need that. There's going to come a time when you will need that education, where you will need that experience, where you will need that alternate source of income, that alternate source of the ability to stand on your own feet financially. Now, I believe that's where Bitcoin comes in. I believe that's where crypto comes in. You can believe in gold or silver or stashing it under your mattress or although, you know, obviously if the currency gets devalued, you won't be able to do that. But it's about you getting educated so that you can make those choices. I got almost knocked off my bike so that I could come to this forum week after week and tell you different ways to get educated and help you see what was possible for you as you begin to grow your birthright of wealth, as you begin to call on your version of the goddess of crypto to see what you are being called to do in the world. I've wanted to share this with you for a really long time, and now I'm so glad that I did. So get out there, get educated, decide what's right for you. Don't let other people tell you what to do with your money. Don't let anybody tell you that you can only make a certain amount. Money's just energy. So it's as unlimited as the electricity that comes out of our walls. It can be metered, but we can also find ways to harness like the solar power of the sun and then it isn't limited anymore. Somebody had to figure all of that out. And now we can all use it. And money has that capability as well. I hope that if this has resonated with you in any way, that you will comment, you will like, you will review this episode. I want to share Goddess of Crypto, not just with you, but with all of the women in your life, your mothers, your daughters, your sisters, your wives, your friends. Please share Goddess of Crypto with all of them. I will see you next time. Every week, 
transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right. Right.